Thinnerdalogs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Arnell, and this is a special bonus episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast, all about the Man of Steel himself. Last week we teamed up with the wonderful charity Chicago Loot Drop to do an MST3K style riff on the original Richard Downer Superman film, and we bundled that with a special invitation only Your Stories, in which some of my favorite people came to talk about what Superman means to them. This was a really special show for me to do, and I hope you all enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Included amongst the speakers are Nerdlogs member Chris Geiger, dear friends Tom Foss and Jim, Third Coast Comics owner Terry Gant, and Eisner Award-winning artist and writer Art Balthazar, plus the usual music from myself and Dwight Hassler. If you've been listening to your stories for a while, you've no doubt heard the tales of Nerdlogs member Alex Talavera. Well, the time has come for Alex to move on from Chicago, so the next Nerdlogs show will be dedicated to sending him off. Come to the Public House Theater on Sunday, August 4th at 7 p.m. for Alex's Goodbye Show, which will bring back some sketches from the past, have some surprises, and be a whole lot of fun. Alex will also be co-running the next Your Stories recording on August 18th, so keep on our Facebook page for more info about that as it develops. Uh, Before we get to the show, here's another friendly reminder that if you like what you hear, you can help this podcast pay for things uh, like web hosting by donating a few dollars our way via PayPal. There's a donate button on the site of our homepage at yourstories.podbean.com, and any amount helps. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy this very super episode.
producer of the theater, he's also in the Nerdalogs, he saw Dwight playing the banjo and he's like, I don't know what a banjo has to do with Superman. Oh, Chris. Kansas. How? No. Well, yes. Chris, how easily do we forget a show called Scrubs? Uh, I don't easily forget it. <laughs> One, two, three, four. First time ever playing banjo in public, by the way. Just in time, heading down the 405. Gotta meet the new boss by 8 a.m. The phone rings in the car. The wife is working hard. She's running late tonight again. Well, I know what I've been told. You gotta work to feed the soul. This all online. I know I'm no Superman. I'm no Superman. 
Superman But lost your mind Was it worth it After all Deck up with me Cause love is all we need Just take a hold Of the hand that breaks the fall Well I know what I've been told Gotta break free to break the mold But I can't do this all Tonight, everyone is here by my invitation because, as Chris said, I really love Superman. So I'm, I'm, I'm not even a joke. Uh, I'm really happy to have two of my three friends who were instrumental in getting me to care about the character, uh, as well as two people whose work continues to ensure that new generations uh, come to love him all the time. But before any of those people, uh, I have to bring up the producer of the show. This piece of trash. You're <laughs> 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 kind of trash. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Garneau's really nervous right now uh, because uh, I famously, in the Nerdalogs, am not uh, an open fan of Superman. Um, I know. I grew up a Marvel kid. Um, so for Eric, <laughs> you notice that he said, this is a by invitation only your stories. I was not an invitation. Uh, I was a request. <laughs> um, because I produced your last night. Because I produced this. <laughs> so, uh, so he's really nervous right now about what I'm going to say. And I'm going to try to uh, make him happy. Uh, see, I try to be everywhere. And I try to do everything. And most importantly, I try to not fail. And the not failing is key here. See, I don't like to lose, and while no one will ever say they like to lose, there are certainly those who don't like it more than others, and I'm certainly one of those that doesn't like it more than others. <laughs> but you lose, and that's life. And you fall over, which is why I've always liked the superhero Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man is a loser. He gets back up. He falls and brushes himself off. He whines and moans, pisses about, and gets lucky. He's human. And if you overlook the superpowers, <laughs> he's, he's imitable. He learns lessons like we do, and the lessons he learns, well, we should learn them too. But we're not here to talk about Spider-Man today, right? We're here to talk about a much more interesting sociological character, Batman. <laughs> yes. The man, the, the, the man who taught us that our failures are human. 
and that by embracing that, we can strive to be not a perfect society, but a more understood society, a society not of overwhelming order, but of self-policing, taking care of each other and bringing everyone else up together. And these heroes, they teach us how it is to deal with humanity. But it really takes a special alien to show us what it means to be the best human we can be. See, Superman gets a bad rap from me, <laughs> mainly. Uh, uh, for not but for not telling a good story, right? To me, I don't enjoy reading a Superman story. I mean, he's got it. He's got the upbringing the farm-spun wisdom of a Kansas boy with powers that could dominate the world. But what makes him interesting is that he doesn't take over the world. He decides to show the world what it is to be the best and what it looks like to not fail. He's that guy that does hot yoga before he goes to work that you hate. <laughs> <laughs> that guy who has an $80,000 a year job right out of college that person who succeeds and succeeds and you resent and you ignore and embrace your Batmans and Spider-Mans until you don't feel bad anymore about where you're at in life. But we need Superman to show us what a hero looks like, what good looks like. Because while he might rarely lose, we need someone to look up to, to show us what it's like to win, to show us what we could look like if we went to hot yoga every day. <laughs> We wouldn't know what it's like otherwise. I don't buy Superman comic books, no offense. <laughs> I know that we have some creators No one ever wants to sell Superman comic books. <laughs> Not gonna name names. Uh, but I can't imagine a world where he doesn't exist. I can imagine a world devoid of Batmans and Spider-Mans. But Superman has to exist. We want him to. When he famously died, we mourned. Even people who had never read a Superman comic book mourned and we're in disbelief. How does someone who never loses, lose it all? And then we rejoiced his return. Not by buying comic books, but we talked about it. <laughs> DC is in, the best, is in the worst situation ever. To borrow a Batman movie line, in the comics world, Superman may not be the hero we want, but he's the hero we need. Man, I love Spider-Man with all of my nerdy heart, but I don't want to be Spider-Man. I want to be Superman. I don't want the world to have more Batmans. I want the world to have more Supermans. And in this world we live in, we need people like Superman more than ever, because we need to win. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Before the show, Chris is like, I'm going to troll you so hard in your monologue, or in my monologue. Um, I, I do want to say, since I, didn't, I hope I didn't give you this short shrift, uh, <laughs> That I, the reason why I was totally cool with Chris requesting a spot is that I think he is the finest monologist that the Nerdalogs has. So thank you for sharing that, Chris. Um, so like I said, a couple of people are here who are instrumental in me feeling the way I do about the character. Uh, the first guy coming up is, is probably my oldest friend that I still talk with. Uh, he was the best man at his wedding. He's a great dude, and he runs a blog called The Fortress of Soliloquy, in addition to being, I assume, a good teacher. I don't know. I've never been in your class. You're probably pretty good at it. Tom Foss. Thanks, Eric. You're welcome. I am, as Eric said, a big Superman fan. Um, I started when I was a kid. Started small, but it kind of grew. Uh, grew into a bit of an obsession. <laughs> which, by the way, was one of my favorite Superman villains in the 90s. 
the nice thing about being a Superman fan, as opposed to being a fan of, like, Power Pack or Black Canary or any particular... <laughs> any particular, like, Batgirl or Flash, is that everybody knows who Superman is. Um, conversations about Superman do not need to start with discussions about legacy heroes and alternate universes and time travel. They can, but they don't need to. <laughs> uh, this symbol, like, I never have to explain this symbol if I wear a t-shirt like this out. If I'm walking down the street in a Superman t-shirt, salesmen and panhandlers yell, hey, Superman, at me. Um, that doesn't happen, even when I wear a Green Lantern t-shirt, as if there was some, like, weird Green Lantern media that we had all agreed to forget. Um, this, this symbol's all over... T-shirts and magnets and mugs and posters and stickers and bath towels and blankets and other things in my house. Superman is a part of our cultural fabric, kind of like uh, what Chris was saying. Superman is a part of our cultural fabric. Most people know the characters, they know the names, the conflicts, the relationships. Words like kryptonite and bizarro and kneel before Zod have worked their way into our collective lexicon like lines from Hamlet. Everyone knows what you're referencing, what you mean when you say, oh, that's you know, so-and-so's kryptonite. They know what you mean. It's, it's a, a bizarre thing to intuitively understand. But that ubiquity, that everywhereness of Superman means that everybody has an opinion about Superman. And I think most people who are not Chris regard the character pretty positive. <laughs> he's, he's quintessential. He's American as apple pie and baseball and other things that were invented in other countries. Um, and, but there's one negative meme that's permeated through the culture that I just do not get. And that's this idea that Superman is too powerful to be interesting. It's true. Superman has enough powers to fill out an entire roster of X-Men and a couple of Avengers besides. He's so powerful that filmmakers keep shoehorning in the most obvious Christ parallels this side of a Matrix sequel. <laughs> and yes, success comes easier to a guy who can juggle trucks and shrug off a nuclear explosion. So people think that since you have an invulnerable protagonist, he's never in any real danger. And if he's never in any real danger, then how can there be any suspense or excitement? The thing is, the protagonists of these ongoing serialized stories, these big franchises, are never in any real danger, even if bullets don't bounce off their chests. James Bond, not going to be cut in half by that laser. Batman was not blown to smithereens by the cliffhanger explosion, and the Doctor is not actually lying dead on that beach. The fact that there's another issue next month, another episode next week, another sequel in a couple of years, means that the protagonists are effectively immortal. Even death and dismemberment are minor inconveniences to these characters. Just ask Felix Leiter or Sherlock Holmes or every superhero from Ant-Man to Wonder Woman. If you're sitting at the edge of your seat because you honestly believe that Jason Bourne is not going to make it from one rooftop to another, and that the movie is abruptly going to end with a splat on the sidewalk, <laughs> then let me wish you a safe and enlightening rumpspringa. <laughs> the tension and the suspense in serialized fiction doesn't come from wondering if the hero is going to make it out alive, but 
how the hero is going to make it out alive. How will your hero escape this terrible, inescapable death trap? How could they possibly have survived that fall? These stories from action movie franchises to superhero comics to British sci-fi dramas are built on putting your hero in an impossible scenario and then having them use their wits and their powers and their skills and some techno babble to get out of it. The problem with Superman is you can't just suspend him over a tank of sharks with laser beams on their heads. <laughs> Unless they're magic sharks with kryptonite lasers. <laughs> because of that pesky invulnerability. There are ways around it, but over-reliance on those means you're not telling stories about Superman. There are still physical threats. Superman has physical enemies like Metallo and the Parasite and Bizarro and Massacre and Doomsday and the Phantom Zone criminals and Lex Luthor in a battlesuit. <laughs> but his impossible situations, those suspense and tension and drama creating impossible situations, hinge less on his mortality and more on his morality. Putting civilians at risk, making Superman choose between saving different groups of people, uh, giving him the kinds of moral dilemmas that would make a philosophy professor's eyes go cross. Those are Superman's death traps. And as an audience, we know Superman's going to make it out alive. We know that he's going to be all right. He's always all right. It's everyone else that we have to worry about. And so the question shifts. It's not how's he going to make it out alive. It's how's he going to make sure that everyone else makes it out alive. How can Superman possibly save everybody? The tragedy is that sometimes he can't. Sometimes people around Superman die. Sometimes in big blockbuster movies, tons of people around Superman die, and it's never really mentioned. They're back to work the next day. Sometimes he has to make a tough decision and let the bad guy go, stop the more immediate threat, trust other people to maybe save themselves a little bit. All that power, all that, oh, it's not very interesting power. And there's still stuff he can't do. At times he can't save everybody. But sometimes he can. And the best stories are the ones where Superman applies some quick thinking, some really clever use of powers, and he changes the game. He unravels the dilemma. He kirks the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> and that's what makes Superman Superman finding a better way. He's this guy with all this power and privilege, but he only uses it to make the world a better place. He's the one guy that power doesn't corrupt. He's a guy who is literally above us, but only so we have someone to look up to. <laughs> this symbol stands for hope. Hope that the impossible isn't. That optimism can win out over cynicism. That truth and justice are achievable goals. That even when it seems like the whole world is crashing down around you, you might be able to find some place where you can thrive. That, that ideal, that message, that's interesting, that's inspiring, and that's what's really powerful about Superman. Chris, convinced? Convinced? I'll check, I'll check back in with you later. What's that? Are you convinced? Convinced about Superman? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. We got, we got three more speakers. Uh, up next, my friend Jim. Woo! This is kind of nerve-wracking because you got some, like, hardcore nerds here. 
and I'm just kind of like a halfway nerd, so I'm just going to do my best. You're wearing a Captain America shirt. When Eric contacted me to do this, I was really flattered, and I thought, this is going to be awesome, because I can talk about Superman for like three, four hours. He's like, yeah, Jim, I'm going to need you to tell one story, and it has to be personal, and it's got to be five minutes. I'll see you in a, in a couple weeks. I'll see you in a July. Okay, great. Fantastic. So, uh, this is a personal story. It's about me. It's not really about Superman the character. Um, when I was a little boy, I lived with my, grand, my grandma and grandpa, and my parents both worked. And she would watch me during the day, and I'd sit down in the basement, and she'd put on Superman the movie. And I can't really remember the first time I saw it. That's how many times I've seen it, how long ago I saw it. And I've seen all of them a hundred times. And I, so I can't tell that memory. You know, the first time I saw Superman the movie, or the first time I heard the theme, or anything like that. Because it's like trying to remember the first time you had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or the first time you tossed a ball or something. It's just part of me. And uh, I'd seen them all so many times. I used to go to the video store with my dad when Superman 4 came out on VHS. <laughs> 4. I'd probably seen 4 the most as a kid, too. So this We'd walk into the video store, and I had no idea, I'm a little kid, I didn't understand that it was that bad. And I'd walk in, and the, the guy would look at my dad, and he'd go, Superman 4? Yeah, he'd say, just take it. He used, to, he used to let us rent it for free. Because he's like, nobody's renting that shit. So, I'd seen Superman 4 a lot, and I got a little bit older, and I didn't stop loving Superman, but other things came around when I was a kid. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and... Um, I got into Star Wars late in life, you know, like 10. <laughs> so, but I can remember after seeing 4, I was a little kid, I didn't understand that, um, well, when's the next one coming out? When's 5 coming out? I didn't understand, like, well, abysmal failure, there is no 5. <laughs> Sorry, the ride's over, there's no 5. But I was a little kid, I didn't understand, and there would be, there would be little rumors of, you know, Christopher Reeve's going to direct five, and there's going to be a five, and then five never came, and then, then, then uh, uh, Nicolas Cage was going to play Superman, <laughs> and everything was going to be terrible, and I was never going to see five, there was never going to be a five, I was never going to get to sit in the theater and see five, and see the titles, and hear the music, it was never going to happen, and I'd read about the Tim Burton thing, and the McGee stuff, and what they all wanted to do, it was going to be awful. And then Brian Singer was going to make Superman Returns, and it seemed like, well, at least it's not going to be the Tim Burton thing. Maybe this can be okay. And it wasn't. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> what I'm talking about there. I'm talking about the feeling. We're talking about the memory. So it's, it's opening night of Superman Returns, and Eric was there uh, among other people. There were... Uh, some other people he ran a comic book store with there. A bunch of my friends. And we would all go see these comic book movies at midnight. That was all normal. Everyone was going to go see this movie at midnight. But I had family there. I had my aunt there. And my mom wanted to come. And my uncle and my cousin. And uh, I'm getting choked up right now talking about it. And my best friend from uh, grade school. And he didn't usually come to these things. And it didn't really dawn on me that, you know, at the time. But we went and we sat in the theater 
and I'm sitting there in the middle of like, you know, that row. And I look and everybody I love is there. My wife is there. My friends from school, from early childhood, family, these people that just, I didn't realize how much Superman meant to me, but every, all these other people did. And I remember sitting there and the, the movie started and I got to see the titles and I got to hear the music. And I never thought that was going to happen. And I had all these people that I loved there. And I remember Mike, Mike you know Mike, he's, he's my best friend from way back. And he didn't care. He's like, I don't care about Superman. I love Spider-Man. I don't care what happens to Superman. But he's like, I'm so sorry that Superman Returns is bad because I know how much it meant to you. So that's my Superman memory was, was getting to see Superman Returns. Again, I'm not talking about the movie. <laughs> but getting to be there and, and hear the theme and see the thing, it was, I literally, I don't want to say literally too, too loosely, but as far back as I can remember, which to me counts for everything, I wanted to see a, a Superman movie at the show. I wanted to, to experience that. And then I got to a point in my life where I was sure that was never going to happen, and then it happened. And everyone I loved was there, and that's my Superman memory. Terry Gant, owner of Third Course Convicts, and he's going to come up and talk. One of the guys helping to keep Superman alive for all sorts of people. All right. Thank you. I, I'm, I am a bit of a Superman mess here because I have comic book issues with issues, right? So, like, I don't, um, if, this might be easier for me if I were talking about hair metal bands. But, right, that, that's a different Nerdalogs thing, maybe. So, all right, look, I'm going to go way back, all right? I did not all my life think Superman was the shit, right? I didn't. Um, for me, I had a problem growing up. My parents lived in two different states. My mom lived in Texas, my dad lived here in Chicago. I grew up in Texas, my mom and dad hated each other. That's why they lived in two different states. And so, because my dad was full of shit and my mom was into conflict avoidance, what ended up happening was when I, when I was sent to, to live with, when I had the, I was put on, a Delta airline by myself as a six, seven, eight-year-old, right, to fly to Chicago or back to Houston, Texas. That had happened, and the thing that got me on the plane was comic books, right? So what you're about to kind of hear is the story of why I read comics and what got me into it, and Superman's involved, and here's how. In order to get me on the plane, I had to get a comic book or a group of comic books I could read, and to get me off the plane, and to look for an adult who wouldn't put me in a van. <laughs> comic books were also responsible, so I got comics to get on and comics to get off. And when I got the comics to get off, it's because I found my dad, and it took me where my dad was like, son, you're here, and let's go, and now I got you, and I'm gonna be your dad, and then he dropped me off at my grandma's, right? So, <laughs> when I was at my grandma's, my grandma was like, oh my God, there's a tiny person here who seems to like to read these funny books that used to cost a nickel, but for some reason now they cost an entire quarter. What the shit, right? <laughs> but there was a newsstand near her house that sold the same comic book that I got at the airport, but it was a different issue. So I got comics in Houston that seemed to have related comics in Chicago and related comics to the newsstand on the south side of Chicago. And while we're recording this right now, Folks can't tell this, but man, brothers on the south side, 
thug them some superheroes. <laughs> like, love some fucking superheroes. And mostly it was Marvel superheroes because it was like, you know, Captain America had a shield that was badass. And Spider-Man, they, brothers and sisters, I don't dig Spider-Man. I'm sorry, they don't. <laughs> about his situation. Oh, I, I, I've got this job, and I'm, but my boss is a dick, and I wish I had a girlfriend, and if only I can get paid, and oh my God, I'm gonna fight the Green Goblin, but I'm gonna take pictures of it so I look cool. Look, bro, we got it, Spider-Man. You got But I'm telling you that here's the deal. When I was a kid, what I didn't understand was a thing was the comics that I gravitated most towards because my parents had issues was I gravitated more towards superheroes who reminded me of me and that was that they were kids. And you, if we're recording this right now, you can't tell and some people already know this is the case, but I have this tattoo which is the most boss ass comic book tattoo you're ever gonna see. This is a Legion of Superheroes tattoo. And the Legion of Superheroes are a group of teenagers who hung out with Superboy when he wasn't Superman yet. The comic books I got when I was in Houston, Texas were Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. So it was like Superboy would fly at like super speed to go into the future because the present was the 70s, so fuck the 70s. Like get into the future and then like hang out with some dudes who were really cool, doing some cool shit. It was the 70s, right? I couldn't argue. I was like eight, I was like, well, what? That's right. Fucking gas crisis, I want a spaceship, you know? So he would do that, he would go hang out with them dudes, and there's a bunch of other superpowered teenagers who were like, oh shit, Superman's here, and he's like us. Cool, right? And then when I got to Chicago, there were more Superboy and Legion of Superheroes comics and the Avengers, but the Avengers were always like, basically, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, and a bunch of dudes you never heard of and didn't want to hear about, all living in a gigantic mansion, right, with a butler, Right? <laughs> they had a butler and shit, but the Legion of Superheroes like, fuck this, it's the future. Let's, let's, let's party and kick somebody's ass and be teenagers. And they did, and I was like, someday, I'm gonna be a futuristic fucking teenager and kick a whole lot of fucking ass, right? Because they're doing that shit right now, and they were doing it, you know what I mean? And I got this on, and I, I became a fan of that back then. And it was later on that I realized that not only was that the, the coolest thing in the world was I got to read the stories of Superman while he was a teenager, making all kinds of teenagerish mistakes with with triplicate girl, <laughs> whose power was to become more than one girl <laughs> who listened to him. <laughs> As nerdy black kid from the South Side who had not a lot of people listen to my fucking issues about like music or anything. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, left, I came here today from a potential D&D game kind of situation in a bar, a D&D game situation in the bar is not a crisis. I'm just, I'm not saying that. But I've made the most of my situation over the years, but younger me really looked at that shit and was like, wait, chick who can turn into three chicks who's listening to Superboy is kind of like, that's not a bad situation to be in. Superman, go ahead, kid. Spider-Man, get on his level, right? So, <laughs> As I got older, I got into like, really, what, what is the deal with Superman? Now, I get that people always are like, you can't, he has no, he has no weaknesses. It's kryptonite and magic. Okay. Like, I mean, everybody's got a weakness to kryptonite and magic, I guess. I, whatever. Look, here's the thing. And I'm going to tell, this is the truth about heroes, right? Where they come from and what they're all about. 
Sherlock Holmes, Robin Hood, um, Fafford, the Grey Mauser, uh, uh, you know, Einstein, like anybody. You know what we call those guys? Heroes of ours. You know what we don't call them? Superheroes. You know who we do call superheroes? Anyone that came after Superman. Why? Superman's in his fucking neck, right? <laughs> superheroes now because of Superman, right? You don't get, you don't get Captain America man out of time, like, like kind of whining about, oh my God, the skirts are so short here. <laughs> you don't get Iron Man being like, if only there was a thing, like, I don't know, that doctors could do that could help a person's heart. If only we had a way. You don't get the Hulk who's like, oh my God, I'm so angry, shit, I'm gonna like knock a thing over, and this is tragic. You don't, you don't get Thor who's effectively saying, Dad, get out of my shit. Like, you don't get any of these things without Superman. You don't even get Batman whose superpowers effectively have a great fucking credit rating, and you don't get any of this Superman. You get none of it. You don't get a single slice. You don't get any of it at all. And people can say there are plastic mans and green arrows and there's, there's like black canaries and there's Wonder Woman's. This is all fantastic. Yes, you do. You have all these other things. And every single superhero out there, whether, whether they might behind his back where he can hear them say that fucking Superman, they want to be in the same fucking Justice League with this dude every fucking day. Right now, I am not a fan of the most beautiful dude, the richest dude, the coolest ass guy. Fuck that dude. I don't. If you're a perfect fucking guy, and there's nothing else about you that anybody can can say or criticize or empathize with, I, you're not my guy. Right. The thing with Superman, though, is Superman with all of these great things going from it. And I've read comic books where this dude downloaded into his brain other powers. <laughs> all right. That is that Final Crisis 3D Superman situation where he downloaded 4D vision so he can look between dimensions. All of this comes down to Superman himself. Whether you want to, whether you love him or hate him, Superman only wants one thing in the entire world. He wants to be you. That's all he ever wanted. Right? That's what he's doing it for. Superman knows damn well he's not Peter Parker. He knows he's not Tony Stark. He knows he's not Bruce Wayne. He knows he ain't even fucking Diana Prince. He's not, he might want to be Prince. Prince, Prince. He might want to, he just wants to be you, right? What he got from Jonathan Kent, what he got from Jor-El, what he got from, what he gets from Batman, what he even gets from that fucking boring ass dude who goes to interesting places and meets interesting people to himself is really boring Hal Jordan, is that he is alien, but you are human. We are human, right? We are the thing that makes that dude get up the next day and try to be Superman again. He does fail sometimes, right? When Batman fails, he buys a thing. <laughs> right? When Iron Man fails, he kind of cracks a joke about it and points at Thor. Right? When Thor fails, he strikes the hammer into the ground and hobbles off like Dr. Don Blake. I'm going to work now. Right? When Superman fucking fails, what does he do? He goes back to work like your dad did, like my dad did, like your mom did, like my mom did, like you all do every day. That's what Superman does, right? And be it crypto, kryptonite magic had to be invented because, oh my God, this dude was too fucking good for motherfuckers growing up in the 40s. <laughs> we had to give him some alien space rocks so that you would kind of think, 
damn, <laughs> what the shit? We might have done too good a job with this motherfucker. <laughs> that is where kryptonite and magic came from. They didn't give him a super car at that point in time. <laughs> or a super monkey or a super cat or a super... That all came with Supergirl, right? Like, there were a lot of things Superman didn't get to sell Superman because he didn't need those things. The story of Superman is your story, right? You, you sang songs, you guys. Y'all sang songs about dudes sitting here talking about, I, I can't be your Superman. When the girls that those songs were sung to would have probably said, I don't want you to be my Superman. I just want you to be you, right? Superman is up here. His job is to protect the world, to make it spin backwards if he has to, so that I can bitch at you tomorrow about the thing you didn't do right today, right? <laughs> that is the thing Superman does for all of us, right? Superman is here to make us feel like, oh, I ain't gotta sweat that thing way above my damn head because he got that shit. I'm gonna handle my business down here. Superman makes you aspire to be better than you are today. Every other superhero out there, be you Batman, even Batman's fucking jealous. Why is he, I'll, Tom, I'll tell you how Batman's jealous. <laughs> you wondering, right? Batman's so jealous, Batman has three different tool drawers with kryptonite in it in different shapes, just in case Superman gets a better credit rating himself. Right? That's how jealous Batman is. Everyone is hating on Superman. And like you just said, Metallica fan, the, the way that you said that shit about Superman and, and, and sort of like the, the situation with this dude, right, and you going to see the movies, right? You wanted a Superman movie you could believe in. Your problem with Superman Returns has to be you got your deadbeat dad Superman movie. That's because the producers of that movie had a midlife crisis. Which Superman himself doesn't have. But they made a movie about Superman's midlife crisis, right? How does Superman have a kid who's five fucking years old that he ain't never seen because he's been off in space? So he's instead gonna be a peeping time and look at all the Lois Lane's window and shit while she's sleeping with Cyclops. That's not a thing. Right? That's not supposed to happen in a Superman movie. You know it, I know it, dogs know it. Everybody knows that ain't right, right? Not supposed to be the thing. My love of Superman comes from I understand what he's about. Superman is about protecting the world because he wants to live in it like you live in it and he can't, right? His actual weakness is he is from elsewhere, but he's for here, right? And that shit's killing him, right? So we live so that that dude lives, right? That's what Superman means to me. This is where I get up, up in Superman shit because I get it, like, you know what I mean? I feel like I get it at least, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't find myself selling a fuck ton of Superman comics because sometimes I'm talking to Philistines who wouldn't understand. <laughs> sometimes it's that way, like, I, I get it, I, I know. I, I can't make them, I mean, sometimes I do make them buy it, but it ain't, it, yeah, there's laws against how I could make them buy it. <laughs> or trade rights or some shit, I don't know, anyway. That's how I feel about Superman. It's what he means to me. It's what I think he should mean to you. It may not be worth three bucks a month yet. <laughs> but we can talk about that. I'm just saying, this is my Superman story. Uh, your store is 6236 North Broadway? Yes, 6234 North Broadway. Oh. If you got the 6236, you'll get that. You would see the store. Yeah. So. <laughs> Third Coast Comics, 6234 North Broadway, you guys. Thanks. Uh,
Our next speaker is also a retailer of Oh Yeah Comics, but uh, this gentleman also has worked on Superman books before, including Superman Family Adventures. He currently writes the green team for DC Comics. He is an Eisner Award winner, which I think that's fucking cool. Um, Mr. Art Balthazar, come on up. Right. They took up all the stuff I wanted to say. <laughs> but uh, first encounter I ever had, well, I'll say who I am, Art. I, I, I did Superman books, Superman Family Adventures. It's for a uh, first-time reader, like a, a six-year-old could read it or an adult could read it. I, I put the term all ages into the all ages books. And um, I worked with DC Comics before that with Tiny Titans. I did my own character, Patrick the Wolf Boy. I own a shop in beautiful downtown Skokie. And, uh, I get to stay home all day and make comics. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. But, um, my first time I've ever saw Superman was on the, uh, probably George Reeves with my dad. Sunday mornings we watched George Reeves and uh, Superman, Lone Ranger. And you know, when Lone Ranger's riding a horse and he shoots, my dad would always hold me up in front of the TV. And he's like, Lone Ranger's gonna shoot you again. You know, every, you know, every week I... <laughs> So I, I knew him from the black and white George Reeves, and then he was on Super Friends. So me, a six-year-old six year little Artie, is watching Super Friends, thinking this is cool, because he got all these superheroes. He got Jan and Zane and Wonder Twins. Gleek is cool. And then the bad guys always, always get rid of Superman right away in the Super Friends. So then you see, oh, no, what they going to do? Superman down. The, the toughest guy is gone. So then Star Wars came out, and then I forgot about everything with Star Wars for... For, uh, I had all the toys, posters, clothes, pajamas, and all that stuff. Then Superman, the movie came out the next year. So I put all the Star Wars away. And I got all my, all my Superman came back out. I was like, oh, this is cool. I was putting, you know those Mego figures from the 70s with the clothes? Yeah. I was dressing all the guys up like Superman, Superboy, Supergirl, Lex Luthor. I had all these characters. I made a Joe Rell. I still do that. I still customize Migos down. And uh, then Empire Strike Back came out, so I put all those away. But so, and then I flame with that again. I had the Millennium Falcon. I call my van the Falcon. I tell you earlier, I'll bring her. I'll bring you out on a Falcon, honey. What? How much in the drive with the van? Oh, okay. So, but then Superman Two came out, and that was it. Superman Two. Like, holy cow, this is awesome. Superman's fighting bad guys now. General Zod coming on. He's. I saw that movie so many times in the theater, and I grew up in the South Side Chicago, where the Brighton Theater was showing. When Superman Two came to Brighton Theater. It was in there all for five, six months. Every Friday, I'd see that movie in a bright theater. You pay $1.75 to see like four movies. I get there at like 4.30 in the afternoon, and I, I went home at 11.30 at night. So I got to run away so the cops don't get you for curfew. But that was, man, that was incredible. So I got so into Superman. And then I, at that age, I was probably about 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. So I started to get comics. I was into X-Men, Spider-Man, all those guys, but I'd pick up Superman. And John Byrne's Superman, where he ripped open his shirt, the Man of Steel. That one, man, I brought that. I bought that thing, and that was it. I was Superman crazy fanatic. And then it's just like um, Superman means so much to, to everybody. I mean, you guys mentioned you have the thing on your shirt. Shaq got the tattoo. You see kids in, in, in southern Africa running around in dirt with Superman t-shirts on. You see kids in Guatemala running around. Superman saved the Guatemalans in, in the Donner Cut, too. <laughs> <laughs> you, see, you see that. 
and as I get older, you know, you watch, I got the movie on VHS, and uh, so I, I've already watched that movie so many times. But as you get older, you find out, you know, everybody knows this, even people who don't read comics know, Superman is Superman. He does everything a man can do, but he's super. Even in his first book, he couldn't fly. Even in the movie, new movie, he couldn't fly, he leaped. And then he figured out how to fly, and it was joy, it was pure joy. So in the, early on in the issues, he would, would leap tall buildings, sing around. They never said he flies over them, he leaps. So everything he does is super. So I'm thinking, he got super strength, super hearing, super eyesight. He's probably like a super sense of humor, probably a super dancer. He probably could cook really good. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking all this stuff. And growing up and after watching and watching that first one, you see that movie uh, when he's on the rooftop with uh, Lois. You're like, in the, when you're a kid, you're like, all right, come on, get onto it. All right, get. <laughs> but then you're watching, you're thinking, I'm seeing it as a you know, mature man who's into chicks, not in girls. And <laughs> you're watching, he's like, yeah, Superman just wants to get her in the air through that whole scene. And she's trying to take, stay in character, but she got to do her interview. But every time she looks at her, she loses it. And then she even asks him, how old are you? He goes, over 21. She goes, oh, I get it. And then, you know, the, how big, I mean, how big, what, you know, do you eat and all that stuff. So you, if you watch that scene, we're going to watch it later, but if you watch that scene, my favorite moment of that whole scene is, remember when he said, um, I never tested her? Did you ever, how fast can you go? And he goes, oh, I never tested it. He says, how about we go for a flight? And she goes, well, I'll be cold. And he took the pen and paper out of her hand. Nah, you'll be warm enough. And he threw it down. He goes, that's such a manly thing. Like, I'll get my coat. No, 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 come on. And so that was cool. I got you, girl. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then back to the, back to the me being the artist thing. <laughs> Superman made me want to draw comics and stuff. So I got all this. It's like, it's like getting a digital download every few years before it was even digital stuff. You just keep going in your head. You keep remembering things. You keep getting, building this myth of Superman and what he means, what he's awesome in tattoos and shirts. and He's better than everybody. He's the sign of hope. He has two sets of parents. He has to listen to his parents. He's from <laughs> Kansas, middle America, where you go down there now and people are real nice. It's like way different than Chicago or New York. You go there and like, wow, nobody's asking me for money at the gas station. <laughs> you go to a gas station two in the morning and the lady starts having a conversation about her cat. And you're like, what? I just want to pay for my gas. But um, but um, getting into comics and then I, I met people at DC and I, and I started doing the Tiny Times book. And um, I was so, it was so overwhelming. It was like a dream come true getting the draw for DC Comics, doing a monthly book. And, end up doing 50 issues of Tiny Titans. And um, way in the beginning, he even asked me, who's your favorite, who are your favorite DC characters? And I said, I love Superman, I love the Teen Titans. And then they said, what would you like to do in Teen Titans? I'm like, cool. So Superman, again, he got first replaced by Star Wars for a while, and then <laughs> Teen Titans came along. So I'm working on, I did 50 issues consecutive, and then they were talking about, they wanted to end it. Remember a few years ago when the new 52 came out and relaunched number ones? I was approaching issue 50, and the conversations on the phone were like, oh, well, we want to relaunch Tiny Titans at a number one. It'll be really cool to get new people. I'm like, nah, kids are going to be confused. Little kids go in a store, they're going to say, I already got number one. Where's the next one? Where's number whatever? So we decided to end Tiny Titans at issue 50 to give it a nice solid block. 
And then they said, well, think about what else you want to do. And we'll have a meeting in San Diego in like two months. Figure out what, what do you want to do next. I'm thinking, damn, what do you do with Tiny Titans? And I kept thinking in my head, I want to do Superman. So I was telling my partner, Franco, I said, oh, because we, we, we write stories together, he goes, well, what do you want to do? So we had these five different pitches, all kinds of pitches, and I kept developing Superman. Right, we're working on this. No, I'll put add this, 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 and this. So we were going to the meeting, and I kept thinking, oh, we can't pitch Superman. It's this whole Siegel Schuster lawyer stuff, and then there's this whole new costume thing. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do it. And then you got the... the that last movie where he was crying and hovering outside. <laughs> the good thing about that movie, though, is Brandon Roth did a good Superman, and he was Superman. He knew who he was, but he was like, that beat that stuff. And then the new one, he was an alien, and like that was never super. Like you said earlier, he and oh, here's another thing. I'm backtracking again, and this is kind of weird, like how I relate to him, but people don't really know to think but I'm a I'm a Mexican Irish kid and growing up people always ask how you know how come you don't speak Spanish? I was, uh, we don't speak Spanish. I'm from Southside Chicago. I don't and they're like I don't know what I they speak in Ireland either. So and then they're like, well you don't speak Spanish, how come you don't have Cinco de Mayo or how come you you don't have a cotillion, whatever you're doing? I said, because I wasn't raised that way. And then I relate to Superman. He's from Krypton, but he lives as an American. So he doesn't know the culture from Krypton. He doesn't wear the suits. He doesn't talk like General Zod. He just, he's cool. He's a Clark Kent from Smallville <laughs> with the curl and the red coat and stuff. So, so that was my relative. But back to now. So I worked on a Superman pitch forever, like two, two, three months straight. I'm agonizing over this thing. Make sure all the words are spelled right. Make sure the characters are good. I used a new costume so I could get the job. I go into the pitch, and, and not only was like I land in San Diego on Tuesday, I wish the thing was Monday morning so I could go to the shower and go eat breakfast and have the pitch, but no, I had to wait till Saturday afternoon. So I, every day at San Diego, kind of agonizing, like, oh God, the boss walked by, and I'm like, hey, you know, sorry, don't worry, wait Saturday afternoon. I know, I know, it's only Thursday morning, you know. So I got this nice book pitch, everything perfect colors. I got crypto in there, streaky, eight, or, or Supergirl, Superboy, Mama Kent, Jor-El, whole bit, Brainiac, Luthor, all the guys are in there. I got story pitches for a whole bunch of issues laid out, and I handed it to the editor-in-chief, or Dan DeDeal from uh, executive, wherever, he's the boss now, but he had a title then, and now he's, but he opened the thing and went like this. Perfect, let's do it. <laughs> So called my dad, and because he wanted to know, he goes, Dad, like, guess what? Guess what? I said, they said yes. He goes, to Superman? I said, yeah. So you're going to draw Superman and write him too? Wow. He said, so let's see. You worked at DC, you did Tiny Titans. You're at DC Comics now. You, you're making Superman comics. And he goes, so what do you do now? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I gotta figure out what to do with this. <laughs> but my dad grew up on Superman, I grew up on Superman, everybody grew up on Superman. He's 75 years old this year. And he's like, gee, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a homemade Superman necklace because it had the S on there. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a flash here, but he's Superman's friend. <laughs>
and he makes it go fast. And um, Superman has always, always, always been part of my life. He's in my blood. He's in my heart. And I want to... What he's, <laughs> he's always living in my heart, in my life, and there's only, he's got to be everywhere. <laughs> I would love to do this first. But henceforth, the darker glasses today. So we're just gonna take it out with a song, not really about Superman, but AV Club just did an inventory of their top 25 songs uh, that involve Superman, and this was on there. And I'm like, yeah, we should we should do this one. One, two, three, four. One, two, three.
The Nerdalogs Present Your Stories is sponsored by the Chicago sketch comedy troupe The Nerdalogs and is recorded the third Sunday of every month at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. The stories you heard have been prepared and presented by the speakers on a volunteer basis. Special thanks to Sean Patrick Boyle for his help with recording. Our theme song comes from the band Stage Shirt. For more information on the Nerdalogs, your stories, and everything else, go to www.nerdalogs.com.